0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, this is Casey Mize, and you're listening to the Road to Detroit podcast. You're on the Road
1: to Detroit, the podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. At long last, welcome to the Road to Detroit podcast. I'm so glad to have you along with us. Season one, episode one, here at the Road to Detroit. My name is Dan Hasty, and as a lifelong Tigers fan and now a working professional within the Tigers system, I'm so happy to be able to bring this to you we're going to talk to decision makers within the Tiger system. We're going to talk to players. We're going to celebrate guys when they do well. We're going to figure out what's going on when guys aren't performing at the top of their games. Figure out what they need. And we'll talk to those players. We'll talk to guys who are being successful. We'll talk with the Casey Mises and the Matt Mannings of the world. But also Al Avila, David Chad, Dave Littlefield. Even some of those names we'll have on this edition of the Road to Detroit podcast. So, we're so excited to bring this to you. Give a voice to the Tigers minor league system. You know, as someone who grew up with this team, I'm proud to serve as your host. My name is Dan Hasting. Nate Wangler is our producer. Thank you for tuning in. Ever since I can remember, I was looking up box scores for Tigers minor league affiliates and trying to find something or in this case, some players to look forward to consider this, your extended box score brought to life. What is the road to Detroit podcast? Well, It's a weekly podcast. It'll give you a chance to catch up on everything you may have missed or want to find out about the Tigers minor league system. Who's the top prospects? Did they pitch this week? Did they play this week? How'd they do? We're going to answer all those questions for you. This is a one-stop shop to get caught up on everything that happened in the week that was. The next question might be, well, who are you and how can you talk about the Tigers minor league system? I've been in the Tigers system now for five years serving as the radio voice of the West Michigan Whitecaps. I've had a chance to see these players come through West Michigan and now I've gotten a chance to get to know them as they've matured through the system. You know, a lot of these players now are either really close to the major leagues or making an impact at the lower levels of the system. We've gotten to know these guys and what makes them tick and why they might be struggling in a certain way, or why they might be having more success than we expected. So we'll get a chance to find out a little bit more about the players and their stories off the field as well as on the field. How often will you be on? Like we said, we'll be on once a week, going to be available on all major podcast platforms. Why should you listen to this? We're going to go straight to the source. That's the number one thing. We're going to make sure that you can hear straight from the people that make decisions within the Tiger system and straight from the people who are those prospects that we have been talking about endlessly for the last couple of months and in some cases, even years. You know, I love this team. And I've loved this team since I started comprehending what baseball meant. This isn't a one-team-centric show. We'll certainly talk about every level of the minor leagues because there are different challenges associated with every level of the minor leagues. I remember talking with Jim Leland, and this was a couple of years ago in spring training, and I remember asking him, what's the most difficult jump to make in the minor leagues? What level is it? Is it double A to triple A? Is it low A to high A? And his answer was, it's the jump from advanced class A to double A. He said the best prospects in baseball are typically at double A. He said, if you can play in double-A, you can play in the major leagues, which is why it's really exciting that guys like Casey Mize and Matt Manning are performing really well down in Erie. The next toughest jump is from short-season baseball to full-season baseball, which is the jump from Connecticut to West Michigan. It's so difficult to go from 60 games to 140 games, and there's such a physical toll on kids that are 18 and 19 years old to have to make that jump. But if there's one thing you can do here, please tell your friends to subscribe. there's one thing you do, click subscribe so you can stay up to date. In future shows ahead, we'll talk to guys like Al Avila. We'll talk to all the minor league prospects. We're the only place that helps you go right to the root of the situation. You want to hear from the Tigers themselves? We can do it right here on the Road to Detroit podcast. Let's go straight into it. Let's talk about the week that was for each team in the Tigers minor league system. Time for the (laughs) on-ramp. Is this the sound effect that we're using for the on-ramp this year? It doesn't sound like a very good clock. It sounds like something's wrong with it. (laughs) That's Nate Wangler, our producer, by the way. (laughs) I'm just saying, I think I could do a better sound effect for the on-ramp. So play that one. All right, now what about this? Oh, God. I'm going to leave this one up to you. Just a long running loop of that. (laughs) Really, the only way is that if you've listened to the show, you know what that sound effect actually is. Do yours again. I can hear every noise that you're making. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about Toledo. Toledo got swept in a three-game series by Norfolk at home. They went on the road to split a four-game set against Scranton-Wilkes-Berry. Jake Rogers debuted in Toledo last week. Homered in his first game. He's actually hitting 307 with a .435 on-base percentage between Toledo and Erie. Seven homers, 27 runs batted in in 32 games. You know, we used to just hope he could hit at all. His defense is exceptional. That's always been the case, but now he's starting to hit the baseball a little bit. Pitchers love throwing to him, and Jake Rogers is probably one of the big pieces and really one of the more important position player prospects in the entire Tigers system. You might even put him up there with some of the pitchers because of how much responsibility he has behind the plate. So Jake Rogers is off to a good start in Toledo. So is Willie Castro, just 22 years old and hitting 321, 400 plus on base, hitting over 370 in his last 10 games, playing a good shortstop as well. You know, I don't think we really thought Willie Castro would be the heir apparent at shortstop, but clearly he's starting to put himself in that conversation. We thought Isaac Paredes for a while. We thought that Wensel Perez, and while those guys might find places in the Tigers infield, it might just be Castro who actually ends up as the everyday shortstop. Jamer Candelario, guy playing third base for the Tigers This time last year, we know what he can do. Almost 20 home runs in the major leagues last year. He's now back in Toledo. First week back, 280 with a homer, which is exactly what you'd hope to see from a guy who was hitting 190 in Detroit. He's simply too good for that. Daz Cameron, a slow start for him, looking like a good decision to start him in Toledo. 32 hits this year with 16 of those 32 hits for extra bases. So something to keep in mind for Daz Cameron. Lastly, John Schreiber. I always love when a Michigan native cracks the big leagues, and Schreiber is insanely close to doing that. A career 192 ERA in the minor leagues. He puts up good numbers everywhere he's been. He's turned himself into a top-30 prospect. And by the way, he's got the Schreiber slider. We coined it during his time in West Michigan. I mean, you've probably played Little League at some point, and you remember when the one kid could throw a really good curveball and all the kids tried to duck out of the way of it? That's how John Schreiber's slider looks like. Schreiber's slider, get ready for it. I think it's coming to Detroit sooner than later. Let's move over to Erie here on the (laughs) on-ramp. Erie got swept to a Bowie team that's gotten off to a slow start this season. If you remember, Bowie was the team Alex Faieto, no hit to begin the year. However, they went to Hartford, the Blue Jays affiliate. Those guys can always hit. And both Casey Mize and Matt Manning went there and dominated. Casey Mize, six innings, no runs on three hits, six strikeouts. We'll actually talk to Casey Mize in just a couple of minutes, but get a load of these numbers combined between Lakeland and Erie for Casey Mize this year. 5-0, and a 111 ERA in nine games. 56 combined innings, 25 hits. I'm not great with math, but I did the numbers. That's a 132 batting average against. Look, the only people who hit 132 in Major League Baseball are pitchers. Erie wins that game by a score. Of four to one. Very next day, Matt Manning takes the mound and he dominates as well. Six and two thirds innings, two hits, two walks, ten strikeouts as part of a four nothing shutout win over the Yard Goats. By the way, that is the name of the team. They are the Hartford Yard Goats. That's not a joke. That's a real actual team name. Isaac Paredes, Tigers' top five prospect, continues to draw walks. There's one stat that translates to the major leagues. It's plate discipline. Not chasing pitches out of the zone. Paredes has done that well. 11 walks to 8 strikeouts in May. There's your look at Erie. Lakeland is next. The Lakeland Flying Tigers, or the Flygers, since last Wednesday, they took one out of four on the road from Clearwater. Then they split a pair at home against Dunedin before splitting a row doubleheader against the Blue Jays. Took two out of three against Palm Beach. They also had a walk-off two-run home run by Cody Clemens in game two, which, by the way, Clemens is absolutely scorching the baseball right now, hitting 343 in his last 10, including that two-run home run that he hit in the final game of the Palm Beach series. His second on the team in RBIs with 22. He's been finally coming around with the bat, you know, and talking to guys down in spring training. They all said to a man that the most impressive position player prospect in spring training was Cody Clements. We'll talk to Dave Littlefield coming up in a little while. We'll see if he got wind of that as well. Cole Peterson hitting 317 over his last 10. This guy is an offensive player, but it pales in comparison to what he does defensively. One of the best infielders you've ever seen. A guy who was on SportsCenter in the top 10. A guy that has made highlight reel after highlight reel play. You simply can't do anything to get a ball past him at shortstop. He's just that good. I had a scout talk and say that he gave Cole Peterson an 80 on the 20 to 80 shortstop defensive scale, which is the best grade that a scout can give to a shortstop. But now he's hitting a little bit, 317 in his last 10. I'll tell you what, if he finds his way into the major leagues somehow, that's the kind of glove that can keep a guy in the major leagues, even if they don't hit that much. You think about guys who have been just that primary defensive infielder, that shortstop, or a guy that can play all over the place. Cole Peterson could certainly fit that profile. Brady Policelli is kind of a utility man extraordinaire. There's not a lot of guys who fit this profile. A catcher, an infielder, and an outfielder. Brady Policelli plays all three of those positions. He plays catcher, he plays second base, he plays left and right field. This is a guy that can be the Swiss Army knife to your team. And think about how important it is in Major League Baseball right now to have the Swiss Army knife type of player. Think about a guy like Javi Baez for the Chicago Cubs, a guy that could play short, play second, play third in a pinch, also can hit a little bit. Brady is hitting 317 in his last 10, a home run he's had a base hit in six of his past seven games. he leads his team with 23 runs batted in after having 28 all of last season but was put at the top of the order now he's in a little bit more of some high leverage situations, a chance to drive some runs in. Brady Polilicelli's doing really well with Lakeland. Let's go to West Michigan) West Michigan has been struggling as of late. They lost six of eight games through eight of the nine games on their homestand at Fifth Third Ballpark in Comstock Park, Michigan. And the Whitecaps have been struggling, especially in on the pitching side, second-to-last ERA in the Midwest League, but there are some bright spots. Garrett Hill has been one of the best pitchers in the Midwest League, a 141 ERA. He's been tremendous. Adam Wolf, who was a high draft pick, who got off to a slow start, finally starting to find his bearings in the Midwest League. Back-to-back, really good starts, quality starts for Adam Wolf, the fifth-round pick of the Tigers in last year's draft. A couple of other guys worth keeping an eye on in the white cap system. Their infielder, Johnny Valente, is hitting 355 in the month of May. Very smart ball player, rarely strikes out in the month of May, for example. He's only struck out three times in 20 games. He's walked six times to compare to those three punch outs, but he's also hitting the ball, and he's hitting the ball hard. He sprays it all over the field. And I'll tell you what, I don't think I've seen a better bunter in the Tigers minor league system. This is a guy that can drag bunt from the right side, and he can get on base almost at will. He'll walk up to home plate, look around the defense. And if he sees the third baseman playing back, he'll lay down a bunt every single time. And thus, it makes them have to play him in tight, which allows him to hit a hard ground ball to get past them and into left field. So it's kind of a benefit on both sides for a guy like Johnny Valenti, a student of the game. He's been outstanding in the month of May for West Michigan. Chris Proctor, one of their catchers as well, former Duke Blue Devil, he's starting to sting the ball with some regularity. Made some small tweaks to his swing. He's always been a good defensive catcher. He's thrown out over 40% of base runners who have tried to steal against him this year, but he's in the midst of a streak of a six-game multi-hit hitting streak. That's hard to do. There's not a lot of guys that can put together multi-hit hitting streaks. Chris Proctor already has a six-game multi-hit hitting streak. He's improved his batting average by a full 100 points, and based on how good his defense is, now the bat's starting to come along a little bit with it. We're seeing harder contact, we're seeing better contact, and more consistent results for a guy like Chris Proctor. Another one is Ulrich Boyarski, one of the more fun names you'll ever say in the Tigers minor league system. He's hit almost 300, but he's the power source in the West Michigan lineup. A team high, five home runs. They don't hit a lot of home runs in West Michigan, but he has been a run producer. 23 runs batted in at this point. He does strike out a little bit, 19 strikeouts in 20 games, but nothing too egregious. You'd probably like to see him draw a couple of more walks. He's walked five times in the month of May, but Ulrich Bojarski just seems to have a knack, especially with runners on base, to find bat to ball. Drive in a run, make a productive out, get a guy home from third base with less than two outs, and that is very valuable currency in today's game that's so filled with strikeouts all across Major League Baseball. That's West Michigan, and that's the on-ramp. Now time for Best in Class. Time to crown the top performance from the entire Tigers system last week. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made the most noise. Nate Wangler, let's make a vote right here. On three, let's name who we think is this week's best-in-class player of the week. One, two, three, Cody, Cody Clemens. Clemens. Yeah, uh-huh. of course it was. Cody Clemens was outstanding. He's hitting 343 over his last 10 games, hit a walk-off home run to help Lakeland beat Palm Beach back on May 21st. So far this year, the numbers a little underwhelming. A 229 batting average with a 311 on base, but second on his team in RBIs with 22. Five home runs already, but he's starting to finally produce. He's starting to finally put bat to ball. A lot of the guys down in spring training said that Cody Clemens was one of, if not the most impressive position player in spring training. So Cody Clemens finally showing Lakeland what places like the University of Texas saw, what the West Michigan Whitecaps saw last year, came up at the very end of last year with the Lakeland Flying Tigers. But congratulations to Cody Clemens. He's this week's season one, episode one. Road to Detroit podcast, best in class. You're caught up to date on everything that's gone on within the Tigers minor league system. Well, we can't do season one, episode one of the Road to Detroit podcast without the one one himself. Casey Mize is joining us here on the Road to Detroit podcast. Casey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So first up, let's talk about your start earlier this week at Hartford and just another ho-hum six innings, three hits, six strikeouts. That's a pretty good Hartford team. I'd like us to start there and what you took away from that particular game.
0: Uh, Yeah, the first two innings were a little slow. I think I threw um, 40-plus pitches in the first two innings um, and and then settled in after that. Um, They're a good lineup. I think our approach was kind of to – Throw them some off-speed stuff early, and then uh, go with the fastballs late because we knew we knew they were hunting fastballs early in the in the count, as what the numbers showed. So that's what we tried to do. I gave up a few hits on some uh, two-strike fastballs, which is um, the approach that we had. But you know, they, they were, I guess, they were a little prepared. Um, and so when I tried to go in on them, I left a few up, and they ended up um, singling on those. Um, so we we kind of had to change our approach a little bit too. I think we. We kind of flipped it up on them after those first two innings and uh, started rolling with the punches after that. And it turned out to be a pretty good start.
1: It's one of the things I like about you is that it clearly sounds like you're thinking out every single finite detail of, of the art of pitching that you do every time you take the mound. So, you know, Casey, MLB pipeline, and I know you don't have to get too caught up in rankings and whatnot, but they came out with the updated rankings of the top 100 prospects in baseball. I'm sure somebody's told you by now, but you vaulted all the way up to number six, now ranked as baseball's top pitching prospect. I mean, you've been in pro baseball for less than a year. Not a lot of guys get something like that. Did that surprise you?
0: Um, I said it earlier um, I, I won't be surprised by my success just because I mean that's what I mean that's what it's all about. you You work hard to be successful um, but to be the number one to be ranked as you know the top pitching prospect was uh something i wasn't expecting this early on um but at the end of the day there's still so much to prove and so much to be done like you said i've only been pro and pro ball for you know a couple of months now so um th- there's a lot of work to be done and so well, while that is a great accomplishment and, and i'm very appreciative of that I, I don't look too much into that
1: We're talking with Casey Mize. A big reason Casey moved up those lists was because of the no-hitter he threw in his first double-A start. Congrats on that. You had one last season with Auburn. Is this like your attempt to establish some sort of yearly no-hitter tradition?
0: I hope so. Um, (laughs) I hope it becomes an annual thing. Um, But I don't don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, it it was pretty cool. My second one in two years. um, And and exactly, I I hope there's more to come.
1: You threw a no-hitter in your AA debut. Then after the game, I see you talking about not having fastball command, which just blew me away. Was that true? And how does somebody throw a no-hitter without the ability to command a fastball? That's crazy.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I really, I really think the fastball command was um, below average, um, you know, to my standards and to, and to what I try to go out there and, and do every five days. Um, and so I just had to go with. I threw a whole bunch of cutters. Um, and you know that that kind of kept me in the game and, and allowed me to m- miss some barrels, um, but find some early contact. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I really do believe that the fastball command was really bad. I just had to go with what I had, which was throwing a lot of cutters.
1: How's your fastball command felt since?
0: Uh, it's been better. It's definitely been better. Um, I've been pretty happy with it the last few starts. Um, obviously, it's something that I and I'm going to want to improve on. Um, you know, honestly, forever, but. Um, I've been pretty pleased with the last few starts.
1: We're talking with Casey Myers, Tigers' top prospect. You know, you were in the SEC playing with the Auburn Tigers during your college years. We know that Double A is a tougher challenge than the SEC, but what are some of the things that make it tougher?
0: Um, Just experience, I think. I think just there's some older hitters here, um, you know, who who have played professional ball for a few years. um, You know, played some college ball of their own. They've just been playing the game longer. Um, and I, the strike zones smaller as well so that, that's something that's been an adjustment um and, and just the approaches are a little bit di- different i think guys are taking more pitches um, than they would have taken you know in college um and i think it's just overall just like i said the experience i think guys have just seen more pitches and they've seen more pitchers and they've just seen so many things where you know it's kind of nothing really surprises them so i think uh they don't look as foolish up there you know they're they're spitting on pitches that i think you know they should be swinging at um it's just it's just a new
1: challenge so i remember seeing the video of you explaining different grips for different pitches that you throw exactly how many pitches do you have
0: um i throw a fastball I i throw a four seam and a two seam i mean you can call that two pitches if you want but um, and, and then I throw a cutter, and then I throw a slurve, and then I throw a splitter. So four if you're going to count the fastball as one pitch, and then five if you're going to count the two different fastballs.
1: <laughs> when you were drafted, you know, you said you were the type of pitcher that wanted to win every pitch. I've never heard somebody quite say it like that before. I guess, how much work goes into winning every pitch these days? A lot, a lot. I think there's a lot of behind-the-scenes
0: behind the, behind the scenes things that have to happen uh, to, to allow myself to um, get in a good position to win every pitch. Um, you know, Coach Butch Thompson down at Auburn, our head coach, kind of preached that to me and, and to our staff that you know somebody wins every pitch, and, and I really took that to heart. Um, and I, every pitch I throw, I'm, I'm trying to win. You know, if I'm trying to get you out now, or if I'm trying to set up another pitch, you know, they're all supposed to be quality pitches, and I'm trying to win every single one of them. And I, I think that that's a factor into why my walks are down. I think I'm just trying to shove the ball in the strike zone and win every pitch.
1: You know. Your former catcher now, because he's in Toledo, Jake Rogers was working with you a little bit out in Erie. Everybody talks about how great he is defensively, and clearly you have some guys that are able to take care of you in Erie. But if you could take me back to throwing to Jake and what that experience was like, and maybe how that's been a little bit different for you,
0: uh, he's just really smart back there. Um, he, he knows I'm a thinker, and, and I know he is too. And so I think uh, we did a lot of good, good sequencing to hitters, and you know, thinking a couple pitches ahead, and just really. Um, we we worked together well mentally, um, and then just his physical attributes. It, he's just very mobile behind the plate. Uh, the guy moves around very well back there. Um, so I know if you know I have to throw a breaking ball in the other bat, other batter's box that's going to land, you know, in the dirt. He's going to be able to pick it or, or block it up or just get over there. Um, and so so I think he's very mobile, um, which which allows me to have a lot of confidence to throw pitches where I want to, um, and and then the arm strength. Um, I'm seeing him throw down to second base, third base from all different arm angles. Um, you know, he's throwing sidearm one time, he's throwing over the top the next. He's just kind of going with wherever the pitch is located. So the ability to do those things is kind of what stands out with Jake. Um, and it's why he's such a special player.
1: You're an eerie. So is Matt Manning and Alex Fiedo, who also helped to throw a no-hitter this season. Is the best kind of competition the one where you're trying to outdo the guy on your own team rather than the guys on the other side?
0: I think so. I think just um, that that that's something I learned down at Auburn. Uh, Keegan Thompson um, was an older pitcher that I really look up to. He was um, a third rounder to the Cubs. He's in Double A with the Cubs right now, um, and, and we kind of had the <clears throat> same dynamic there as we do now. You know, talented pitchers on a staff that can go out there and perform well every time they take the you know take the mound, um, and, and you kind of use that as competition, and you kind of use that to learn from. I think you can use it from a lot of different standpoints. But, yeah, I mean, if if I see Alex go out there and throw really well or Matt go out there and throw really well, of course I want to match that. You know, I, I don't want to be the one that doesn't have a good outing. So I think just having success, you know, just breathes other success into other players. And so I think that's a, a good competition for us.
1: What's one thing that surprised you about life as a professional since the day you got drafted?
0: Um, I don't know. Um... Maybe there's just more challenges. Uh, there's there's not really great facilities. Um, the travel is not great. You can't eat as well. Um, I don't know. I think I think just the challenges were kind of were more surprising to me than I'd hoped. Um, but, you know, you just got to go with what you got there. So,
1: Well, Casey, I know we're thrilled by your start. I know the Tigers are elated. I love the way you think on and off the mound. I've gotten to know so many Tigers fans. And the one thing that they like is guys who come to the mound with the same mentality the way that you do. So, again, congratulations on your success so far. Casey Mize here on the Road to Detroit podcast. We'll catch up soon. Congrats, Casey.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Our thanks to Casey Mize for coming on the Road to Detroit podcast. You have to have the 1-1 on Season 1, Episode 1. Otherwise, like, what are we doing here? So Casey was kind enough to join us for this one. You know, I'll tell you what, 22-year-old Ryan Hander moving just as fast through a minor league system as anybody in minor league baseball. First overall pick last year, and he's been moving at light speed. Numbers are just off the charts. We told you a little while ago, opponents are hitting 132 against Casey Mize. I really like the fact that he thinks out everything. He's so concentrated and focused even in the conversation that we just heard you know he wants to win every single pitch I really like that mentality and I never heard a pitcher say that before so to hear Casey Mize talk about the importance of of thinking everything out. I remember when the Tigers had J.D. Martinez and he used to write in a little book about every single pitch he saw from every pitcher in every single at-bat. Casey Mize has that ability, and I think I kind of have the same vibe with a guy like Casey Mize, who's really interested in being a student of every moment he's on the field. It's one thing I really like about Casey Mize. Again, thanks to Casey for joining us here on the Road to Detroit podcast. Let's switch gears. Let's go into Tiger's player development. You know, the players that are in the system are the players that we've been talking about. The top 30 prospects, the Casey Mises, the Matt Mannings of the world. One of the people in charge with helping to mold that talent is Dave Littlefield, Tiger's vice president of player development. We're going to cover a lot of bases as Dave Littlefield is going to join us here in just a couple of moments, but it's so interesting to hear it from the guy who decides whether someone gets promoted or demoted and what goes into that decision? Because you know, the player will always tell you when they're ready to go up to the next level. But sometimes guys are a little bit older. Maybe they need to move a little bit faster. Sometimes guys are younger. Maybe they need to prove it a little bit more at a lower level of the minor leagues. So we want to talk to Dave Littlefield. We asked Dave Littlefield about what goes into those decisions. We'll talk about analytics quite a bit. And We'll talk about what the Tigers have involved themselves in in order to gather as much information as possible. They've also partnered with the University of Michigan on an interesting venture. Back here on the Road to Detroit podcast, we appreciate the time from Casey Mize. And now we'll talk with one of the men that are highest in charge of directing the minor league system, Dave Littlefield, the vice president of Detroit Tigers player development, joins us here on the Road to Detroit podcast. Dave, I always enjoy talking to you. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Uh, It's great to be here. Thank you.
1: There's a lot that goes into being the man in charge of player development or, in your case, the vice president. But, I mean, you are, in fact, the man who helps lead decisions with you and your team on whether someone gets promoted or demoted within the minor league system.
2: Yeah, it's, it's you know, ultimately there's someone who has to make a decision, but it's really a collaboration of a lot of people. I mean, we've got people on the ground with each team. We've got roving instructors that travel around and, Guys like uh, Alan Trammell and Willie Horton and Kirk Gibson that travel around and we get opinions from those people as well. So there's a lot of people and we and get a lot of different opinions uh, that go into any kind of promotion.
1: You know, in previous years, players have tended to stay at one stop for a full year or something kind of close to it. These days, guys are moving so much faster than they were even just a couple of years ago. And you've always had good players, especially at the lower levels. Why is it that guys are moving faster these days?
2: Well, I think it's a couple different things with what's happening right now with the Tigers. I said, I think, first of all, in some cases, You know, This year in particular, we've had a few injuries at the major league level, and much like you hear things kind of at the end of spring training where they trickle down. In some cases, we've had a few issues where people have trickled up and and got a lot more opportunity to kind of fill those voids. So it's a good thing to be a a Tiger minor leaguer in that regard, Uh, but it's challenging when you have to get up to another level where there's a lot better competition and that sort of thing. The second part of it is that we're in the position right now is we're – really using and playing a lot of our own players we really have made the move with drafting higher getting guys back in trades and going through that transition where we don't have many minor league free agents to kind of fill voids as we have in the past we've made in the past we made a lot of trades with multiple players to get you know one major league player now we've kind of turned the corner where we're made some trades. We've got multiple players back, so we have a lot of our own, and we want to give those guys the opportunity to see what, what they can do.
1: You know, you guys get reports after every single game, and I'm curious about the game reports. What kinds of things are in those, and how does that help you guys evaluate?
2: Well, the game report is uh, a synopsis of the not only game, but uh, the pre-game work that takes place that you know, for someone like yourself, Dan, is around the park a lot. You see that. You see the early work with guys working on individual skills, uh, bullpens that take place. You know, we're working with uh, a lot of the, the things that we have now with the Rapsodo and, and the Bat Tracker and Edgetronics, the the high-speed camera. So uh, all these things are detailed as to who's working with what, and, and we document this and stays in our our system so that if people want to check on it and then moving forward to the game, actually, then it talks about the pitchers and what they did and the position players in the lineup and who hit what. And and then kind of how the game unfolded. And also you get, you know, pitch count breakdowns as to fastballs, breaking balls and changeups and how hard they were thrown and good plays defensively, maybe some plays that guys didn't handle very well. And then things, you know, we're looking to work on for the next day. And so that, is a synopsis put together by the staff at each level, and uh, you know, on any day we can have uh, you know, five, six, seven teams at this time of year. And once the summer comes around, uh, you know, up to nine, ten, eleven games that are going on. So it's a lot of information. It starts from Chris Illich all the way down. People that get the game reports daily on the computer and spend time looking at it, and and you know, getting to stay up with our minor league players.
1: You know, you mentioned some of the different advancements in analytics. Can you tell me a little bit about some of those new additions and the benefits you see within them?
2: Yeah, there's a – and not this this is the beginning of it, but uh, we've – Chris Illich and Al have really demanded that we uh, invest and and use any type of uh, uh, available uh, help to improve our hitters, to improve our, our pitchers. Uh, Jay Sartori, who's in charge of analytics, uh, they've got a host of people that are doing work both on the major league side and the minor league side. We've got a couple of people this year that are solely dedicated to the minor league side that are traveling around to the minor league teams. Uh, we are working with the University of Michigan on a performance study. And uh, Georgia Giblin, who's uh, over here from Australia, is working with our players and doing different testing. Uh, just to make sure the mobility is good. And, you know, we then customize different exercises to help, you know, different uh, areas where they may be a little tight or a little loose so that, uh, you know, the, the ability to play baseball is, is at their peak performance. But as far as the the analytics, I mean, it, it's involved in, you know, the, the view of promotions, lineups, uh, advanced scouting, uh, defensive positioning, and, and behind the scenes, we're doing a lot of work to, to document and to look at people's swings, as many people have heard with the, the pitching, you know, the the, um, the spin rate on, on different types of pitches and, and uh, the point of where people deliver the ball, the plate, how close to the play. So there's on and on and on. We're trying to get any type of edge and give every player an opportunity to, to reach their potential with whatever's out there. And, So there's a lot of people involved, and as I said, Chris and Al really feel uh, committed to make this uh, uh, investment, and and we've got a lot of people working very hard with Jay leading leading the way in analytics.
1: We're talking with Dave Littlefield, the Detroit Tigers vice president of player development. You know, in terms of rebuilding, so many teams are in a similar situation to yours, but not everyone rebuilds the same way. How necessary is it to find a way to be different, whether it comes to player evaluation or any other realm of trying to find and evaluate talent at the minor league level?
2: Well, I'm not sure I would characterize it as important to be different. I think it's important to bottom line, get good players, draft good players, assign good players from the amateur draft in Latin America, get good players in returns and trades, and then try to Get everything possible out of them, whether it's you know people on the field working with them, whether it's an analytics view, um, you know, with the different equipment that we're using and packaging it all together, and, and those—it's really what everybody's trying to do. Now, sometimes it comes together a little different. Just someone's a little stronger on the pitching side, someone's a little stronger on the position player side, and at the end of the day, everybody's trying to do the same thing. That's going through this. Uh, situation where if they're in that rebuild mode, but everyone once they re- see that those prospects are moving to get to the major league level, are going to have to supplement with some free agent players around the different parts of the diamond, whether it's the pitching or position players. And you can look at some of the teams at the major league level right now that have gone through that, the Houston's and the Cubs and people like that. That you know some of supplemented in different places. So I think it's it's difficult to Know early on which way you're going to go because you're trying to get the best of the pitches. You're trying to get the best of position players. But sometimes it's a draft where there's more pitching available. And sometimes in a trade, you match up better with a certain team, and they've got more position players than they've got pitching. So it's something that I think you just got to the ebbs and flows of what's available, and you are going to supplement at the end of the day. But number one is you always need good players.
1: One thing that always interests me is that most of your draftees – will start in rookie ball as that climb is so long. Sometimes guys start at a higher level. Casey Mize started in Lakeland. Cody Clemens went straight to West Michigan. What about their games gave you the confidence that they didn't need to go to one of those lower levels?
2: Well, it's a pretty advanced player that's going to be able to make that move uh, to something beyond rookie ball. And most of the time, they're college players that have played it of the better programs throughout the country. And then you take that kind of emotional makeup of that player and the maturity, the advancement, the commitment to be good, and and generally all those things kind of of align. And and that certainly has been the case with Casey, uh, with uh, Clemens as well. And, you know, they're, they're good examples of guys that are very committed to their game and working hard at their craft that also have physical skills.
1: Let's talk about Casey Mize, another impressive start at Hartford this past week. We just spoke with him. He seems like the thinking type, just wants to be one step ahead. What have you learned about Casey Mize now that you've had him in the system for almost a full year?
2: Well, I think you're right on it. He is a very interested in, in uh, improving his craft and working at it. He's a committed guy. He's very mature. He's intelligent. Um, he's also, as you talked earlier about the analytics and some of the different things that we're using, he's looking to find any kind of edge he can or, or anything that can help him get better. Um, I saw him the other night in, in Hartford and he, he pitched extremely well, but even in the, at the end of the game, when you look at the line and it was very impressive, the first couple of innings, he had to work for things and he, he wasn't getting the ball by the hitters as frequently. And, and, uh, he was using a lot of pitches and, uh, I was thinking, well, this is a good little test because, uh, you know, he's kind of dominated so far through most of the starts. And and you want to have these guys, you know, have to work for it. And not that it was a struggle, but he really was working at stuff. And at that second inning finished, he, he was really got on track and through three through six, pitched very well and was very effective and kept his pitch count down. And so – He's certainly showed there he can make adjustments along with all the other things, but he's he's a physical, big, strong right-handed pitcher. He's got stuff. He's got velocity. He throws a a lot of strikes, and he throws good strikes, good quality command down in the strike zone and can move the fastball up when necessary. So there's a pretty good package here. Double A is not the major leagues, but certainly the the way he's dominated both A ball and double A, the signs are there that you know he'll have that level of performance moving forward. So we we feel very good about what he's done so far, and certainly believe there's much better days ahead.
1: Dave Littlefield, the vice president of Detroit Tigers player development. Now I remember it's funny you mentioned the analytics side with Casey Mize. I remember reading during the off season. The Matthew Boyd was really involved and interested in improving things like his spin rate. You mentioned Casey might be interested in those analytics, and I don't know if that's one of them, but are, are those some things that you guys are stressing with your other pitchers? And is I mean, guess how much interest is there in that from your perspective?
2: Well, I would say organizationally and as the industry goes, there's a tremendous amount of interest, and everybody's trying to get better, and, and certainly this has been taking place for a while. Um, you know whether it was video early, and then there was a lot of work on on slicing, dicing the numbers, and now there's there's a lot of different things out there with Rob Soto and Bat Tracker, and and uh, you know the high speed cameras, and so there's just you know I, th- I think it's growing. It's it's not going to stop, obviously, with how much people are using different things. But in turn, it's if you trickle it down to. Uh, Other areas, there's, you know, you get the travel teams, you get the showcases, you get colleges using them, Um, you know, there's these facilities out and around, and and this is where these guys come from, the the better players. So they are now being comfortable with the equipment, and, um, you know, there's lots of things written about them in blogs and other sorts of stuff. So I, I think it's something we've worked hard at with player development in the last couple of years to... Make sure our staff is up to date, and we've sent them out to some different places to study up on these, on the, all the different facilities and, and some of the techniques that they're using, along with the equipment. So, I think hand in hand, the players are seeing it more, and, and some of them are really taking to it, and, and uh, as well as are the coaches all throughout the industry.
1: I know you guys, and most every major league team, still likes to blend the numbers with the eye tests, the analytics with the scouts. Has the advancement in analytics made things easier or more difficult for you guys? I would imagine it organizes information, but it gives you a lot of it.
2: Yeah, it definitely has improved, and and I think it's when you add it all up, and and there's lots of other areas, too, that don't get the attention, but, you know, there's the medical side that's very important, the strength and conditioning side. That whole performance piece that I mentioned earlier that we're working with the University of Michigan is – Uh, a very interesting area and and something that, you know, everybody's trying to improve upon. So uh, the important part is you've got to have people in different positions to figure out what the right blend is and how much to use, uh, you know, analytics or or performance or whatever. And and just as an example, for instance, uh, at West Michigan with lower level of a ball, uh, there's a lot of, Throughout baseball, there's a lot of work on advanced scouting and defensive positioning. And just as we look down towards the lower levels, one of the areas that we, we have to be cautious about is pitchers thrown to advance reports, which makes sense in the big leagues because pitchers can command their pitches and do, you know, execute where they want those pitches to go. Now, at the lower levels, we're working hard to try to locate our, our fastball and that's really one of the building blocks of being successful as a pitcher. So even though there may be some weaknesses to a hitter in that team that we're playing tonight, that may not be our first box that we check. Our first box is going to be we got to locate the pitches where we need to and execute it properly, you know, to get that first strike in there. And that's really trying to work on that individual game. So even though there's an industry-wide and an organizational-wide interest and, and, uh, through the analytics and through um, performance and, and many, many things that are out there tool-wise, you also have to make sure you evaluate you know, where you're at with those players. Can they execute those types of things? And do we really need to pitch to their weaknesses? Where we got to figure out, we're going to develop our strengths to begin with. So there's, there's quite a blend that goes on throughout all the baseball in that regard, and I think that's the important part that some of the decision-makers are, are pretty good at from experience.
1: You sound pretty interested and invested in that involvement with the University of Michigan. Can you expand on that a little bit and tell us what's going into that?
2: Well, it's uh, something that is very interesting, and we're doing a lot of work uh, and with Jay Sartori, who's kind of heading that up, and Corey Tremble in our minor leagues as well, uh, along with uh, a fellow that we have from Australia named Georgia Giblin. And that's a variety of things where uh, we've used – a lot of different areas with uh, some force plates, which are like plates that show different uh, levels of uh, weight shift. Uh, in some ways, we put them and use them basically, kind of like uh, plates that hitters would stand on. And as they would go through their their load and their stride and their and their swing, it analyzes through the computer the type of weight shift and and where they're most efficient um and it looks at like breaking balls and fastballs and that type of stuff and then with pitchers we we've used electrodes that we put on pitchers to um see what's happening how their muscles are firing in uh in the delivery and the release and the follow through and that type of stuff so uh we also have done some things putting uh sensors on runners in the bases and, and we actually had an issue of uh, think last year where Derek Hill is one of our prospects
1: in Erie right
2: now, a real talented former first round pick in center fielder, who's had a little bit of hamstring issues here and there and we put these sensors on and saw where there was some deficiency in some areas. And then we were able to identify that and, and then customize some strength and conditioning and stretching program that would be good for him to, to help alleviate that, alleviate that issue. And it, it has indeed happened. So, um, there's a lot of stuff that we're working on. We're doing some testing on those force plates that have really opened our eyes to some things that uh, we want to improve upon. And uh, they've been a great partner in the group that we're working with there. And It's uh, kind of in the beginning stages, but there's, there's a lot of potential down the road to do more.
1: We're talking with Dave Littlefield, the Detroit Tigers Director of Player Development. All right, so I have to ask you about a couple of guys before we let you go. I want to start with Cody Clemens because the guys in spring training, the players said almost unanimously that he was the most impressive position player down in Lakeland this year. Now I won't ask you if he was the best out there, but he's finally coming on strong. Did he at least stand out to you during the time in Lakeland?
2: Yeah, he is a very impressive guy and uh, he's uh, got a live bat and the ball jumps off his barrel and he's a great competitor and, and a great teammate. Uh, And it was very impressive uh, seeing him this spring. You know, you're around every day. We're there with him for six or seven weeks, so you do get to know them fairly well. And he did get off to a slow start, uh, but certainly has picked it up here. And I know last night he had a walk-off home run, which I actually saw him today and was kidding him about it, but he said he got it pretty good. So uh, hopefully this continues in, in the continues to keep going and, and uh, performing like he has, but uh, we have very high hopes for him and, and I think he's going to do well. It is a challenge. I, I One of our staff members, Bill Dancy, who's had a lot of experience in player development in the minor leagues, has mentioned to me in the past about the Florida State League in the first half is really a challenging league because a lot of teams like to keep some of their better prospects down here in the warm weather for the first half. And, and you see a lot of good arms in particular and, and, back in the player development the last couple of years. I, I do believe that. So when you jump the death ridges and the Clemens, uh, into the fold in Lakeland, you know, a little more advanced than normal, uh, it's going to be challenging and it's good to see, uh, uh, Clemens, uh, moving forward and, and making some
1: improvements. Parker Meadows is still kind of figuring himself out, isn't he? What steps does he need to take?
2: Well, he's a real talented guy and, uh, we feel very good about where he's at and his mentality and strong mental component to being a good player, along with some great physical skills. He can really run. He plays above average defense. I think he's going to be a good hitter. And with that body certainly he's got some power down the road. Um, you know, I think it's the adjustments to playing every day, to being a professional, uh, the competition is a lot better than he's, he's normally seen. And, you know, those are some of the things that uh, you you, you got to develop and get into a routine Uh, But uh, we see some very positive things here and there, and I think over time we'll start to see more consistency from Parker.
1: We're here with Dave Littlefield, Detroit Tigers vice president of player development. I know we're going back a few draft classes, but we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about Matt Manning, who has improved leaps and bounds over the past year. You know, this season he's holding opponents to a batting average under 170. I mean, what are some of the steps that he's taken from, say, when he began last season in West Michigan?
2: Well, it's interesting, Dan. We were talking about uh, you know a variety of things as we do every day about baseball and with Manning throwing so well here in, in Erie. Um, one of the things we, as we were looking back is you know when that first full season, as much as everybody wanted him to go to West Michigan to start, he really wasn't ready. And it, you know there was some times towards the end of spring training where we were hoping it was going to come together, but it didn't. And there's there's different timelines for different players and. So when we look at the Parker Meadows and him going to West Michigan, I know it's challenging and I don't take it for granted, but, uh, you know, to see Matt Manning struggle at that point, but yet obviously uh, has got the ball rolling pretty good and is just pitching extremely well right now. It's it's satisfying for him because I know he's working very hard, but, uh, you know, we, we certainly have high hopes and I think he's got tremendous upside still left in him, uh, even though he's in double A and, you know, uh, doing extremely well. There's there's a lot to like about Matt in many ways, but uh, showing the performance that he's showing right now has been fantastic.
1: Dave, always a pleasure.
2: All right, Dan, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and all the interest that Tiger fans have in the minor leagues and the whole organization.
1: It's now time for The Road Ahead. We'll preview everything to keep track of in the coming week, important things we want to make sure you're on top of, And we'll obviously recap for you coming up a week from now. In Toledo, they get Louisville on the road this weekend, and then Gwinnett at home next week. Obviously, we'll talk about that. We'll catch up on how guys like Jake Rogers, Jamer Candelario, Willie Castro have fared. You know, Kyle Funkhauser and Bo Burrows are both on the injured list. So a surprising amount of position players we're keeping track of in Toledo, and that doesn't even include Daz Cameron. In Erie, it's Mize and Manning. Casey Mize, Matt Manning. They should pitch on Sunday afternoon for Mize. Monday afternoon on Memorial Day for the Erie Seawolves at home. I love that they go back to back. It's Mize one day, Manning the next day. Down in Lakeland, they just got Garrett Hill, pitcher from West Michigan, who probably would have been a Midwest League All-Star. Was one of the top pitchers in the Midwest League. A 141 ERA this season. Smart kid who should go up to Lakeland and pitched pretty well. They're taking on St. Lucie. Lakeland has a lefty, by the way, Tarek Skubel, who has come out of nowhere. He's vaulted all the way to the Tigers' 18th best prospect. A hard-throwing lefty with 54 strikeouts and 47 innings. He should pitch either this weekend or at the very latest before episode 2 next week. In West Michigan, we told you that Garrett Hill just got promoted. The Whitecaps get one of the most interesting under the radar guys in the entire Tigers system. Right-hander Hugh Smith from Whitworth University, a Division 3 school. Nate's looking at me funny over there. A Division 3 school. They say that he can throw his fastball into the triple digits. Guess how tall he is. He is six feet, 10 inches tall. Only one major league player has ever been taller than six foot 10. That's John Rauch, who played for a couple different teams. I think the Nationals were one. What we'll last Nate, Nate Wangler? Nate, any guesses on any of the three players in MLB history who were six foot 10? There was only three. I knew Randy Johnson was up there. Well done. That was the one I was hoping you That was get. up there? Okay. He's six foot ten. The other two, I'm not quite sure, but I knew Randy Johnson was big, and I knew he had a heater that was pretty much his dominant number one pitch. All right, so here's the others. Chris Young, a pitcher for the San Diego Padres for a number of years. He's actually now the Major League Baseball VP of on-field operations. And Eric Hillman, who I'm sure you obviously knew because he was a pitcher that pitched for the Mets, back in the 90s for a couple of years. So, uh, of course, we all know who Eric Hillman is. But West Michigan plays a four-game series against the South Bend Cubs. You can guess who the South Bend Cubs are affiliated with. Then it's home for a four-game series with Fort Wayne. That's the Padres farm system that was ranked as baseball's best by Baseball America before this season. That's a look at the road ahead. And that wraps us up for our podcast, our Road to Detroit podcast, season one, episode one. Last thing we need you to do, Click subscribe on iTunes, on Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Click the subscribe button. You can find us on Twitter. Find the Road to Detroit, at Road to Detroit. You can find out everything going on with all the players in the system on a daily basis, highlights, conversations, updates on players and coaches throughout the Tigers minor league system. Meanwhile, you can follow us as well. You can follow me at ThatDanHasty on the Road to Detroit podcast. Of course, follow the Tigers on Twitter, at Tigers. Well, that's a wrap for Season 1, Episode 1 of the Road to Detroit podcast. We appreciate you listening. We can't do this without you. Again, please click subscribe. We'll have a chance to talk every single week about the players on the Road to Detroit. This is a team that I grew up with. I'm sure you did as well. If you're listening to this right now, you care about this team as much as we do. For Nate Wangler, our producer, my name is Dan Hasty. We'll talk to you next week on the Road to Detroit podcast. See you!